Podcast. We're your host, Samuel Jones, and Ashlyn Jenkins. Ashlyn, how are you doing today? Hanging in there. How are you? Hanging in there. I'm doing pretty good. I feel like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm on top of the world or anything. A little bit kind of hanging in there myself, but doing doing good overall. It looks like I get to interview you today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the last one went pretty good. It did. A lot of people were moved by... um, some of the things that you've been through and things that you face in your life. So got a lot of good feedback about that, which is really cool. Yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out, a lot of text messages saying they've either shockingly experienced the same thing and they are thankful for me talking about it publicly and basically just moving forward and helping more people. Yeah, that's the name of the game. That's yep. what we do. That's what we do. So how are we going to kick this off? How are we going to start this? Well, I, this, I feel like I can just start talking. This episode's all about you. Oh so It's all about me. Let's do what we did for me, which was start with childhood. Okay. Give us some background on you, your parents, your family, yeah. where you grew up, and yeah, we'll so, go from there. Okay. So for people that don't know us, I am Samuel Jones. I'm a personal trainer, um, weight loss coach, strength coach based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um... My wife and I have been up here in Fort Wayne since 2016. We really like it. I'm originally from the Evansville area, so the very bottom of the state, about five hours south of here. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. Let's see. How many uh, siblings you got? Okay, okay. Let's start with Matthew. Yeah, so <laughs> I am one of four. I have two sisters and one brother. I have an older sister than me, then my little sister, and then uh, my little brother, who's 18, so we have about 12 years between us, but we're still, like, best buds, which is really cool. And he's basically your twin at this point. (laughs) I'm like, you are a young Samuel. I know. He's taller than me. He's leaner than me. He rubs (laughs) that in my face all the time, but I can still kick his ass, so it's okay. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. And parents, how long they've been married? Yeah, so my parents, Jeff and Susan, awesome, awesome people, Um, and they, it'll be 38 years in October that they've been married. So. Incredible. Yeah, they they're high school sweethearts. Um, we won't they, call out their age, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've been together for a long time, which is really cool. Like just having you know good parents to to set the example um, that goes a long way. That and you'd consider you close with all your family? Yes, I would say my family is very close. Not in the sense that we do everything together. Um, but we're, we're really connected. We really, I think, rely on each other. Um, we're very present in each other's lives. So yeah, yeah, we've actually been, you know, I've been separated from my parents for about seven years as far as location. And then they just moved up to Fort Wayne about six weeks ago. So it's been amazing. They have three grandkids up here. Um, one of those being mine and having another one in January. So it's, it's been, I don't feel like I'm like exaggerating when I say it's been life changing. Yeah. My parents here. yeah. It's cool to have them up here now with us. It is. For it's, sure. It's different. And I don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't think I realized the deficit that I was in not having my parents up here because I do have so many amazing people that support me um, and are there for me. Um, and shout out, shout out Alan Christie, who have been my Fort Wayne parents pretty much since I moved up here. Um, Love but, them. You know, there's something about just having your mom and dad, you know, close where I can go sit on the back porch and sit and talk to them. And I mean, Veronica said we're not allowed to go within a 25 mile radius. <laughs> so, I mean, I totally get that. And I feel like she means that. Oh, a hundred percent. She means I, I that think she, <laughs> for sure. I think she would try to sabotage the plane. <laughs> Probably. Like, I don't put it past her. She's like, you're moving where? Not today. <laughs> Kyle mentioned that about like moving somewhere. And I was uh-huh. like, yeah. Ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> Not while Veronica and Jerry are still here. The This is all, it's the same thing with my wife and her family. And so Kyle and I will talk about the key word there is vacation home. Facts. That's what it is. Airbnb End goals rental. here. Something that we can have in another state that we can go visit, but still be in Indiana so that we're close to our family. For sure. Yeah. Did you play sports in high school? Uh, yeah. So I played sports growing up. Basketball was definitely my first love. Um, I think... Like a lot of Indiana kids, I always had a, um, a hoop in my driveway, and me and my dad would shoot together. Wasn't big into baseball. I played t-ball for one year growing up, and I was terrible. And they put me in the outfield, and I would Okay, wait. I have to stop you. What? I was the exact same. Shut your I promise you. Gosh. Dad put me in t-ball, and they skipped me in the batting order. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. bad. I don't know if I got skipped in the batting order, but I definitely... I do remember, like... 
can't remember if it was pitching machine and tee ball. So like maybe you got a chance on the pitching machine, and then if you didn't get it, they brought the tee. I just know they brought the tee every time. And was, For sure, me too. Crazy. I love baseball now, but I only tried one <laughs> year, and I was terrible. Same. I was like five years old. So. I was like, take me out of this, put me in soccer. One hundred percent, and that's how I was with basketball. So I played basketball growing up, and then um, my dad was a football player. And so he had talked to me about playing football and stuff when I was younger, but it just really wasn't interesting to me until it was. And so I started playing football um, in fifth grade, and that, like, quickly became what I was in love with. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I played football from fifth grade through high school, and then um, I did track as well, so I threw shot and discus. I did not know that. School. Yeah, and then I threw my sock, my, what was it, freshman and sophomore year. And then I didn't throw the other two years. And then I wrestled my junior year. So, yeah, yeah. Involved with sports my whole life. Love sports. Um, that's really what introduced me to the weights. So, when I was, I guess, probably in seventh grade, um, a, a guy I was really close with, like, we, our families were friends and stuff. And he was four years ahead of me. So, I guess he would have been a junior, maybe even a, a sophomore. So, I was in sixth or seventh grade. And I started going to football workouts with him. Um, and working out with the high schoolers and stuff. So it was probably in eighth grade, um, being, yeah, 14 years old in eighth grade when I started getting pretty serious about the weights. So I was introduced to them for football. Um, and I was always a, a stocky kid. I guess we'll get to like body image uh-huh. a little bit. But it's, so it's like, I can talk about it. It's like growing up, I didn't hate my body. I wasn't heavy. I was an athlete, but I was a, a, a thicker athlete, right? I remember always having to wear like husky pants and stuff like that to get my legs to fit, which I was definitely. Which now for the gains, I mean, yeah, for the gains, it's like I don't have my build at all. Um, I will say this: growing up, just like I said, I wasn't like an overweight kid or anything like that. But just carrying a little more body fat than probably a lot of my friends. I had a lot of friends that were very thin. I would say I was pretty self-conscious about the way I looked from a pretty early age. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, like seventh grade? Oh, no, before that. Before Probably that. like fifth grade. So fifth grade, you're like, what? How old are you in fifth grade? Fifth grade, I think you're like maybe 11. Okay. Yeah. That's and crazy. I've always been like a very self-aware person. So I think I lived in my head a lot growing up. So I don't know Same. how I always thought about myself positively or negatively really fit the reality of the situation. Yeah. So it's like, I I just remember being body conscious. Like I said, I wasn't like super overweight. I just didn't have a six pack. I didn't have lines everywhere like some of my friends did. And so, yeah, I just remember being a little bit self-conscious about that from a, from an early age. And then, um, when was the first time you picked up a weight? Ooh, the first. Okay. So the first time I picked up a weight would be, that would have been before I started working out at the high school and middle school because my dad got me um, kind of like a like a secondhand weight set, um, and it was a fixed bar, and so I couldn't change what was on the bar, but there was a few weights that I could add to it, and so, man, he, he had me that, he got me, I was a really, really aggressive kid. <laughs> Shocker. Nice, but aggressive, like very similar to kind of how I am now, and so they got me a heavy bag, um, to beat up in the garage whenever I was young and I had that weight set. So honestly, I can't remember because if, I mean, from as long as I can remember, I've been dropping down, doing push-ups, doing, you know, jumping jacks, running in the street, trying to get better at my sport. You know what I mean? Um, I think honestly, so, so from a really young age, I do remember being maybe a sophomore or a junior in high school when I think something shifted to, I was lifting weights for my sport, mm-hmm. um, being football as my primary, and but I, I I do remember there being like a little bit of a transition to where I liked the work that we were doing in the weight room better than the work that we were doing on the field. It's interesting, and I don't remember exactly when that transition happened. Um, but part of that process is that like, okay, so going back, I remember in fifth grade because you had to weigh in for football. So in fifth grade, I weighed 148 pounds and was probably like 5'6". Six. Sixth grade, I weighed 160 pounds. Seventh grade, I weighed 175 uh, pounds. And then by eighth grade, I already weighed like 190 pounds. So like, and, and I was this height. So like, I really, if you look at me in eighth grade, I was like a less 
muscly version of about the size that I am now. So in eighth grade, I actually looked pretty thin. Um, like I, I, I was way less bulky than I am now, but like around that 185, 190. Um, and I actually really liked the way that I looked in eighth grade. Now this is where it gets tricky. Cause I was thinking about this the other day, knowing we were going to do this podcast. Right. So I was like trying to wrap my head around when certain things were introduced. So my freshman year, fourth game of the football season, I tore my PC up. Okay, which is the ligament that runs in the back of your knee. And it wasn't a full tear, so I didn't have to have surgery, but it was enough to kill my football season. Okay, so what do I do? What year was that? Freshman year. Okay. Okay, so I only played a half year my freshman year. So what do you do if you want to get better, but you can't run around and do anything? You lift weights. Yep. Right? So I went crazy on lifting weights. So I told you I was like about 190 in the eighth grade. I was 225, 230. Dang. By the end of my freshman year. Yeah, so... Like, in that time, I think, A, it it changed my relationship that I had with working out. It also changed how I saw myself as an athlete because I started, like, acquiring a lot of size. And so, I don't know. It just it, – it that injury, I think, changed a lot of things. I, I think it was kind of like – I got hurt a lot in high school. And I think that as far as mentally, I'm not positive that – as a high school athlete that I ever actually really came back from that injury, mm. you know, to being what I was before that. And that's, that's just me being honest with myself and my journey. It's like, I'd love to say that I did and I was better, but I really don't think I actually was. So I transitioning like into high school, did you play all four years? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I, you know, was captain my senior year. Um, had a great experience playing high school football. What um, position did you play? I don't I think played, I even know that. <laughs> I played guard on offense and I played middle linebacker on defense. Makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fun playing football. I had a lot of really good relationships, like, um, on the team. But, like I said, I was kind of a – so, I had a weird experience in that I've always been a thinker. And so, even though I was popular, even though I was captain of the football team, even though I played sports, I made good grades, I was kind of, like, in a weird way, just felt like I never really fit in in any of the groups that I was with. So like when I was with the football guys, I'd be like, okay, like we connect on this, but we look at life a lot differently. We think a lot differently. If I was with like, say people from church, I would be, you know, it's like, okay, we both believe in God, but like, I don't believe, you know, I don't do anything else that you guys do. Right. If I was with, you know, people that were, you know, maybe really smart and kind of nerdy, it was like, okay, we have some of these same interests, but then you're not like me at all. Like you don't have this savage streak running through. So, most of my life, and I, I, I hated school. Like, I absolutely hated school. Hmm. And, and, that, and that's the perspective of, like, like I said, having tons of friends, being popular, having good grades, having a lot of girlfriends, and I still hated school. So, like, <laughs> reflecting on that now is, like, one thing that that's given me, given me a ton of empathy for is for people that have way worse circumstances than that. Because, like, that sounds so, like privileged I guess mm-hmm. like, it's like hey everything was going great but I was also Still depressed and it. this and this mm-hmm. right and so it's like it just made me think of people that got bullied or people that didn't have a lot of friends or didn't get any attention from girls it's like oh my god what is their experience like right like if I hated it and was so depressed to go to school every single day and you know everyone knew who I was and knew my name and I had great relationships with teachers then what was this guy over here experiencing right right and it's like I've thought about that multiple times as an adult because it's like I don't know that feeling just doesn't sit super well with me so um so yeah that's my relationship with exercise I'll talk a little bit about my relationship with food so you know worked out for sport you know all all through high school but food it was a scapegoat in the sense of I, I was not an emotional eater whenever I was young, but legitimately, like, my appetite, I didn't know anything about nutrition, and my appetite from lifting, from playing sports was through the roof all the time, like it is now, but because I didn't know what to eat, I just ate a lot of everything, right? right. Like, so much of everything. So, by the time I graduated, that was, like, 245 pounds. Like, I was, a, I, was a, I was a big boy, and that was a strong 245, but that was not a, I should not have weighed too much. Was an unhealthy it wasn't unhealthy from the sense of like blood work. So I had good blood pressure and, you know, good blood work, but unhealthy from the sense of was I carrying around an extra 40 pounds that I didn't need on my body yet. Yeah. And I used like strength and football as an excuse. And in hindsight, had I been lighter, I would have been a much better football player. 
Like, right. I should have just been about 205 pounds, which is, you know, I'm like 198 right now. So it's, it's hmm. really what I should have been. But um, I just fell in the trap of like wanting to get bigger, wanting to get stronger. And then it was an excuse for how much I like to eat, if I'm being honest. So like my whole life that I can remember... I didn't necessarily struggle with eating, but I ate a ton of food. Did you feel like eating ever affected your personal life? <clears throat> no. No, not directly. Okay. okay. Definitely not directly, but it did in the sense of how I saw my body, mm. which then affected some of my relationships because I was very insecure. I think that's super important to touch on, especially from a male's perspective, because we all have insecurities and we all have things that, you know, we struggle with when it comes to self image. And I think, I think it's getting better that men are coming out and talking about it. But I think for a really long time, it was very pushed down. Um, and men weren't in hindsight allowed to have insecurities. And I think that's false. We're human and men are, I think it's good that as a man, you can speak on that. That's good. Thank you for highlighting that. Cause yeah, no, I, I, I think that that, that's a huge reason why I advocate for the things that I advocate for now and that I'm so big on not letting fear take hold in your life and not letting it control your decisions because I did my whole upbringing. Mm. Like I was, and it's like, okay, well, what were you scared of? Everything. Like, was I scared to like throw down in a fist fight? Absolutely not. But was I scared of letting someone down? Yes. Was mm. I scared of failure? Yes. Was I scared of how other people would view me? Yes. Like petrified. And I didn't want to do anything that was going to, I don't know, let someone down or maybe make someone perceive me in a negative light. But it was just insecurity because I didn't, I just wasn't confident in who I actually was. That's, do you that's think, the truth. do you think that affected, like you, you spoke on like the different groups that you hung out with. Do you think that affected your ability to be your authentic self? Um, <laughs> yes and no. I would say no because I haven't. With everything I just said, I've also always expressed myself, mm. right? And so yeah, like, true. maybe I'm uncomfortable right here and don't feel like I fit in, but maybe I'm going to express that, right? right? And so it's like, and I think that's part of just having parents that always really supported me was that I kind of, I, I kind of always have felt the freedom to express myself to, to an extent, to an extent, um, and to kind of say my piece. So I think that, and, you know, like I said, the home that I grew up in, very relationally strong. So, you know, I, I don't know that it really affected my ability to have relationships. It What it affected was probably the healthiness of those relationships. Mm, that right? makes sense. Where it's like the insecurity, you know, if you put that in perspective, like a romantic relationship, it, you know, I could get really, really jealous and like really, really insecure. And, you know, maybe that leads to me you know, being really angry or getting in a fight with somebody like did stuff like that, making happen? poor absolutely. decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, no, makes that, sense. That, that definitely happened. So not as much like directly in the room, but once I got into a relationship with someone for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. The lack of confidence. Well that and too, like, I think as like, at least when I was in high school, I think about like the guys in the weight room and stuff and how like, it was just taught very old school and how just there's a lot of things I look back on now. Either we were doing it unsafely or it was just like all the bros putting as much weight as possible on the bar yeah. because it was, you know, preparing for football or whatever. And it's like, let's like have some proper introduction to this. Oh yeah. You know? And that was not my, and I'm not going to put any of my coaches down. I'm not here to talk about anything we did or didn't do, but from a perspective of like did I see weightlifting from the perspective that I coach and preach now? No, no same. It was introduced to me, and I, I, it's hard to say that it was negative because it wasn't fully negative, right? right. It's like there was a lot aspects of, of it were correct. negative. Yes, there's a lot of parts of it that like helped me because I took a lot of pride in being strong and being able to, you know, the first time I squatted 400 pounds, I was a sophomore in high school, right? So it it gave me a lot of pride. Um, in myself, which was good because that helped my actual confidence, like my authentic confidence. But there was, and this is what I can't look back and quite figure out. If, if I saw things from the perspective of like wanting to be like hardcore and like be a badass with it, if it was coached to me in that way, or if I just perceived things Mm. in that way. And that goes from things my dad taught me to things coaches taught me. And to be honest, I'm not really sure. Because I know I've always been a thinker and I've always been stuck in my head. And Mm -hmm. so I don't, I can't look back and tell you on everything what was, 
okay, this is how this went, and then this is my perception of this. Knowing where my head was at the time, I think it was probably like 50-50. Yeah, that's fair. Where I probably perceived that I should be more badass than really people were expecting of me. Right. So what was there a pivoting point in your life where there was like a change that, you know, you wanted to get healthier and you wanted to lose the weight? Like how did, how did we transition from high school to post high school? (laughs) Okay. That's a massive transition. (laughs) Um, yeah. So lots of stuff was going on while I was in high school. Like I said, I had, um, I got a really bad concussion in my senior year. I only had to miss one game, but it was, it was pretty gnarly. It kind of changed the way that I thought about a lot of stuff. Knowing what I know about head trauma now, like, there was definitely some stuff going on there. Um, so transitional moments, yeah. I'm, so let's take a step back. So I talk about playing sports, like had decent grades and stuff like that, but that is just because I'm intelligent. I gave Not because you were trying. Oh my God, no. no. I gave school no effort. I can remember maybe three to five times ever doing homework like wow. in high school, and that was probably just project-based stuff, not like the sheet, you know, when I mean, right. like, do this worksheet and then turn it in tomorrow, it was like probably a paper or like a project. There were some projects that I really enjoyed. I liked, I've always liked to write, so English was cool, um, but I did not give school much effort. Um, it was really just thinking about sports and my friends and girls and partying as much as I could on the weekends, and that was about it. So as far as the transition in my physical body, it, so my senior year, okay, well, this, this, this is, this is, I'm trying to think of the best way to break this down. So by my senior year, when I'm thinking about um, what it is that I'm about to go do, like, am I going to go play football somewhere at a smaller school? Am I going to go try to go to like IU and not play any sports and just party? Like, what do I want to do? Okay. So by this time in my senior year, I had been wrestling with an opiate addiction for about two years. Mm. So, um, yeah. So how did, how did that? Okay, so let me break this down. I'm going to break it down with not throwing anybody under the bus. So (laughs) I I remember the first time that I took like a painkiller, which was like a like a uh, like a Percocet or a Lortab or a Vicodin for anybody that's familiar. It was the first time I ever took it. I was thinking about this was recreational. Okay, so it wasn't because of an injury. Correct. But I had only taken them maybe like five to ten times over the course of like a few months, which seems like a lot, but compared to what is about to ramp up to, right. that was nothing. And so I forgot about that. I had been introduced to them recreation. Okay. Okay. And, and was that just through kids at school? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. That was just a buddy who had no bad intentions at all was like, hey, like, let's take one of these. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, so that was how I was introduced to them. But then it was, uh, it was a, an injury my junior year. So like not an injury that you would miss time for, but I was like, my jaw had got dislocated. Like, I don't know. It's like really weird. Um, and so every time I bit down on my mouthpiece and hit somebody, it was like hell. And mm. so um, she, she's passed now. But I actually, I remember I had gotten some painkillers from my grandma um, who didn't think anything of it. She didn't, wasn't thinking about addiction or like laws or anything like that. And uh, like I said, she's passed now. And then when I had started taking them for pain, for, lip, for actual pain, that is whenever the addiction really got kicked up because I, I needed them for the pain. So I think mm-hmm. it really started this. It felt like you couldn't place. go without it because you'd be in pain, 100%, essentially. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and then it got to the point where it was just like I was masking every type of pain in my life, mm-hmm. not just the pain in my body from playing sports, but different types of traumas and pains from growing up, different things that I had experienced. Um, Coping mechanism. Oh, 100%. So, like, looking back on it now, um, I was definitely physical, physically dependent on them. Like, the withdrawals were crazy whenever I got off. But I, whether it's alcohol, weed, pills, like, whatever it's been that I've tried and that I, I did for a period of time, like, I definitely had escapism addiction Mm. right like emotional coping addiction it's like now you know i have a a a brain and a body where it's like i can have a couple drinks i can have no drinks right it doesn't control you at all not at all there's nothing there like i've had to take medication you know when i blew my bicep off a few years ago i took it for three days flushed the rest and it wasn't because i was scared i was going to get addicted i was like i don't like the way these like these make me feel yeah and so now that i've like healed through the things that i've been through 
I, I don't I don't identify as an addict. Right. Right. I, I really don't. However, did I have a serious addiction that almost killed me three times? Yes, I did. And do yes, you, I did. do we also have are there people that have more addictive personalities? Yes, I believe that 100%. Right. And so for me, it's I'm not I don't know if I have an addictive personality or if I just tend to have a very intense personality. And so I think like everything that I've ever involved myself in, even getting in business for myself has escalated very quickly. Yeah. Right? Same. Everything and so that's kind of how my experience with drugs was, where it went from, hey, I'm taking these because they make me feel a little bit better and make it easier to play a sport, to I'm taking 12 per 10s at a time. Mm. And I might have bags of them around me. Right. right? Like it, it escalated very quickly. So in about two years' time, um, you know, all this to talk about the transition as far as weight. So, so this is what happened to me. So when I was thinking about what I was going to go do my senior year, um, by this time I had actually overdosed twice. Um, didn't go to the hospital. Um, just was taken care of either by someone around me or the second time I actually woke up alone and that was really, really scary. Um, and I say overdose and just because it's like, I've been knocked out before I've passed out this has only happened twice where it's like a black circle that like basically circles in on your, this this was my experience. I can't speak for anyone else's, but it just like circles in and like in your field of vision. And then it starts to go dark. And then I just remember like both times just like pleading with God, like, please don't let me die right now. Terrifying. Please don't let me die. Um, and so thankfully for me, I never, I never got in trouble with the law. I never, you know, got caught with the pills. I never, like, dude, I could have been in prison like three times over for real. And so I'm just so thankful and so blessed and so lucky that that didn't happen to me in retrospect. And that no one else got hurt either. Right. right? That's, that's, that's a big thing. So, um, so I kind of had this understanding that if I'm this bad and I'm living with my mom and dad and I'm hiding it from people and I'm this bad where, because I mean, dude, I was taking handfuls of drugs every single day, every single day. And... Um, I, I knew that if it was at that level, like if I went to college, like there's a chance I could, like, I'm probably going to die. Like that, that was my thought. I was like, if I go to a regular college, whether I'm playing sports or I'm not like the party life is going to suck me in to a point where I'm going to get in a pit that I cannot get out of. So I made a decision to go to Bible college. <laughs> and so my, it was a move that my sister had done. She had gone to this school and it was really good for her. She met her husband there and, um, she made a lot of really good changes in her life. So yeah, I didn't go to college and I didn't go to therapy. I went to Bible college. Okay. Yeah. So when I went to this school, it's so funny. It's ridiculous, dude. My start, my life. Is yeah. So one yeah, extreme to the other. It really is. And so whenever I went to the school, my first year, they obviously they take away all my vices. They're like, hey, so yeah, you're not going to be partying at all, right? Like you're you're actually going to be uh, you're going to commit your life to God and you're going to serve people really intensely while you're learning a lot for nine months. Um, and I was like, okay, that's that's what we're doing. So that, so my freshman year in college is whenever it transitioned my eating transitioned from I have a massive appetite to now it was a vice. Because they took away alcohol, they took away pills, they took away girls, they took away everything. And so I didn't have any other vices. That you could control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Except for food. So Makes I was sense. eating fast food every day. I was drinking big gulps, bro. I remember I would have like three full sugar Gatorades a day. Oh this my is gosh. Back the 32 ounces. Like, and that was nothing. Like I You're was looking at like 100 grams of sugar right there. Oh, just right there. And I was thinking of them as like they were healthy. Right? It's like, oh, I'm having a Gatorade instead of a Big Gulp, so it's fine. And it's like, no, it's basically Mountain Dew. It's, it's crazy. You know? um, so I got really heavy. So by the end of my first year... I like college, how you giggle at it. Oh, it's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. It's like, it's Male just, and female perspectives are so different. Well, I should also preface with, like, you know, I'm going to talk more about my story. But at this point in my life, I don't, I don't have any emotions wrapped up in my body or anything that... I've been through, like, I truly, and I'm thankful for this, walking complete freedom today, yeah. of everything. Like, of Love that. Of someone else's Praise perspective God. of my body. So it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in a different place now. So it does make me laugh because also I stopped lifting weights. So I, I gave up literally all everything. my coping mechanisms. All of them, right? Every single one. Drugs, sex, training, everything. 
didn't do any of them. So it was a rough <laughs> year. It was a transcending year, but it was rough. It was rough. Um, oh my goodness. So by the end of the year, I'm about 285 pounds. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm on the sloppy side. And you're right? 19 years old. I'm 19 years old. That's right. And so, like, so much good had happened in my life at this point. Like, oh my gosh. I was, it, it was just a, it was a full year of transition. Well, right? touch so, base real quick. Had you met Allison yet? I met her there. Okay. Her that's what I thought. Year of college. So, Sweet. yeah, I met her. I literally, I was hungover the morning I met her. So, my first year of Bible college, I was hungover. I partied until the very last day. I told God, I was like, dude, if I go, like, I'll give you every part of me, but not until then. And mm. this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do my own thing. So, yeah, yeah. Whenever so said, not I surprised by that at all. And as soon as I walked in, I was obviously, like, out of... I just wasn't the same as all the other people that were there. Like, I don't. I don't. I, I think I walked in, like, a cutoff and a flat bill. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? I was like, what's going on? What are we doing? Oh, that's and the most Sam just, thing I've ever oh heard. Oh, my gosh. That was a hot mess. So, by the end of that year, I, I, I hate my body at, at this point. So, I hated myself less because whenever I went, by the, end of the, by the end of my senior year, I hated myself. Like, full on hated every single part of me. My body, um, my mind because it was controlled by the pills. Like, the fact that I was so weak that I was being controlled by the pills. Guilt and shame that, cycle. Oh, my gosh. Guilt and shame. I was, at that point in my life, I'd be willing to lie right to your face to get what I wanted because it was addict behavior. Like, and I, but also that weighed on me. So I, I just, I just thought I was a, honestly, like, just like a, indestructible a shit by the yeah. end of my senior year. I was like, I'm just, I hate myself. Like I fully, every single ounce of me, I hate myself. So by the end of my first year of college, I mostly just hated my body. So I was, I I hated myself less, but I still hated my body a lot. So I had a really unique opportunity in between my first and second year of college. And uh, me and two friends got to go to Ohio and work for a gentleman that owned a bunch of properties. And so we worked 29, 13 hour days in a row. And just being out there. And so like he owned this campground. So it was like hard work. Like we're outside I mean, doing everything you can imagine on a piece of property from landscaping to clearing out trees. I mean, it was, it was, it was the middle of July. So, so labor. Labor, yeah. Hard labor, 30 days over 12 hours in a row. Well, yeah. I get back from that work camp, and that was a really cool experience. I get back from that camp, and I had lost like 20 pounds. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like that, so, so it was actually that that gave me my glimmer of hope. Like, hey, I can do this. Right. Like, I can, I can change my body. I used to love to work out. I haven't been, you know, at this point I'm not struggling with, you know, uh, wanting to take pills and a lot of the other stuff. I'm, I, I hadn't arrived, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't the same person as whenever I went the first year. Right. So, um, so that's where I lost, you know, like I said, that's where the weight loss started. And then my second year of college, I remember uh, my brother-in-law, Nathan, uh, was the director. And so I, I asked him, I said, hey, I said, as part of our tuition, can you get us five memberships so that we can train? I was like, I really feel like that's part of, or that should be part of this program. Like, hmm. you know, we should have an opportunity to get healthy. Like, we have the time. I love um, that. Like, help us out with this. And so they went to the YMCA. The YMCA is a nonprofit organization. We were a nonprofit organization as well. They came up to, for I, I don't remember how much it cost, but it was a great deal for us students, something that we could all afford, pretty much not working. Um, and by the end of that year, I was 225 pounds. Dang. So, so how much weight loss is that right there? I was 80 pounds? That was 60. That 60. was 60 pounds. Um, so then, you know, fast forward after college, I moved uh, back home to Evansville. Um, you know, Allison and I were dating. I'm trying to think. Allison and I were dating. Yeah, so I'm just working normal jobs at that point. Um, I a lot of people wanted me to come to their church and be a pastor. Oh my gosh, be a youth pastor or some other kind of pastor. Like there was definitely a lot of opportunities for me in formal ministry, but I just didn't feel like that was the path for me. And so, at I least not home. yet. At least not yet. <laughs> right. And so I went home, and the only thing I knew for sure was that I wanted to be with Allison. Like, I wanted to keep working out, and I wanted to be with that girl. I knew that for sure. And so, you know, my family growing up had uh, a tremendous amount of love in the house. You know, like I said, great parents. But one thing we did not have a ton of was money. 
Okay, like it was, and we. I knew I didn't want to get married to Al and be like backwards. I knew I wanted mm. to be making decent. I didn't need to have a bunch of money put back, but I knew that I needed to have uh, enough money to take care of us, right? And yeah. to provide for her. So I just went home. That was really my only thought process was like work, like whatever, whatever you can do, whatever good opportunities work so that you can be with her. And so that's what I did. And so for probably, uh, let's see, if I moved home, that would have been 2014 and I got married in 2016. So for that two years, my weight fluctuated, but it never got above 245 and it never really got below 225. Okay. So I did about two years in that, in that maintenance spectrum. And then, so we got married, uh, March of 2016. I was about, I remember I was about 235 pounds whenever we got married, really strong, but 235 pounds. And then before, so then we moved to Fort Wayne in August of 2016. And in between that time, I decided to do keto. Okay. And keto, you know, we can talk about keto from, you know, a scientific perspective, what it's good for, what it's not. Um, but what I, the only thing that I, if I ever use it with clients is it'll be as a tool for a short amount of time. It's Um, not a diet. It's a resource. Exactly. And that's how I used it. And, and I did, I mean, I I lost 32 pounds. I remember I was 203 pounds when we moved up to Fort Wayne and I, and I felt great about that. I was like, I really, for the first time ever, or for the first time that I could remember, like didn't hate my body. Right. And so we moved up here, weren't making a ton of money. Um, I'm trying to stay on track. There's so much to talk about. I'm trying to keep this in like a perspective of like somewhat health and wellness, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell you who I am, but, but keep it with health and wellness. So I remember, man, the first couple of years we lived up here and we weren't making very much money. My wife, she, I was hitting macros uh, and I'll be honest, mostly it was like ground turkey and white rice with some hot sauce and some, and some things sprinkled in here or there. But I was basically eating like a bodybuilding diet for two, well, for at least 18 months on about $40 a week. And that was for Allison and myself. That she, she learned how to coupon. She learned what days, what stores had the best deals. She would go to six different stores to get what we needed for next to no money. So it's, it, I have empathy when people talk to me about how much it, it, money it takes to, to have a full, healthy diet. I do. I do empathize with you. But as someone who's been in that position that made it work, who hit macros for two year, almost two years on less than $40 a week, I know you can do it. So don't take that as a finger wag. Take that as like, hey, he did it so I can do it. Because I promise you, you can. Where there's a will, there's a way. Especially now with online, like the amount of coupons and different things that that you can get a hold of are are insane. And so I think it was maybe a year to 18 months of me living up here. I got down to 178 pounds. Oh my gosh. And your boy was lean. And I looked really, really good. Um, I can actually say almost... Not quite, probably, because I it's still have some stretch marks and some things. But I, no, I will say I loved how I looked for for me. Right? Was it like best case scenario that it, for for anyone? No, but for me, I actually loved how I looked. I'm proud of getting yourself there. I'm sure. Very proud because the yeah I didn't work with a coach. It was all me. It was um, trying out different things. I, oh my gosh! So like at this point in my life, I was an absolute research nut. The the I guess six years prior into me going into business for myself, I probably spent at least three hours a day, but some days upwards of five or six reading books, listening to podcasts, just all in on everything health and wellness, right? Everything health and wellness. Um, I wanted to know how to be shredded. I want to know how to live for a long time. I wanted to know everything that there possibly was to know because it was, it was also, I should say during this time, so much has had transcended in my life up to this point, but between my relationship with my wife, my relationship with the Lord, how hard I was working, the results that I was seeing, this was the time where I really learned to love myself. Mm, I love that. For like the first time ever. Um, and so from coming from a place of being like, abs- looking in the mirror and being absolutely shamed up and disgusted with what you see to in a few years with the right people, the right purpose and the right tools, really transitioning into like actually being in love with who I am. Um, and who I think it's, well, and I think it's important to touch base too on like as a male, like all of the other things you touched based on other than what you look like, Mm. right? Like loving yourself isn't just physical. It's 
you know, you worked through an addiction. You did all of the hard work to get yourself into a mentally more healed spot. You became more emotionally intelligent. You became more, you know, open communication, those types of things. Those are things that you have to do the work in order to be able to love yourself. Because if you, even if you're shredded, how many people do you think walk around right now that are shredded and still hate themselves? A lot. lot. And I know a lot of those people and it's heartbreaking. And so there are, you have to get down to the core of what, why, why do I hate these parts of myself? How can I accept this about myself and also still work on it? Yes. Right. I think, and then, and again, I think your perspective as a male is powerful because I didn't grow up with brothers. Um, and I am just not used to really hearing that side. Um, and don't have, I have strong men in my life, but I don't have a ton. And so I think from a male perspective, I love hearing that. Yeah, well, thank you. And I think that, yeah, I'm really thankful that it wasn't just my physical body that wasn't healing. And I think that as my body has gone through different seasons, it's gone through different sizes, um, I think it almost almost always reflects what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I was at, you know, starting to get heavy, it's like my life was very chaotic, right? I had a lot of fear. I was doing drugs. There was a lot of stuff going on. Then when I started getting even heavier, it's like I was changing a lot, but there was still so much brokenness inside of me, so much sadness inside of me, so many things to cope, you know, from. And then as I started to get in shape, little by little, other things in my life were getting healthier. My relationships, um, you know, my relationship with myself, my emotional health, all those things. And so, you know, by the time that I was in the best shape of my life, I was probably at that point in my life, yes, the healthiest in every way. What age was that? That would have Roughly. been about 24. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. About 20. Yeah. About 24. So it's about six years ago. Yeah. Six, when I was at my leanest. And so. Isn't that crazy? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it, six it, years it ago for you and me. I know. I <laughs> That's know. so crazy. Six, six years sober, guys. If you're wondering, like, six years what? Yeah. So six years That's sober. insane. So a lot was going on in our lives around the same time we found out. We just didn't know each other. Um, yeah. So, you know, so it's like, you know, so fast forward from, you know, being about 178 pounds, you know, in my physical body, uh, I kind of held that weight about 185 was as heavy as I would get for years. Um, and then maybe would let myself, I, I guess, maybe work on some strength, get up closer to about 200. But I don't remember being over 200 pounds again until after I blew my bicep off. So I blew my bicep off in... It was before you met me. It was the same. It was the same, same year. I found out I was going to be a dad. So Brooks turned two in August. So twenty one. So it's been twenty twenty. It's crazy. Yeah. So in twenty twenty, I blew my bicep off. I was just grappling with a buddy, and I had an old football injury. I had a full AC joint separation, a torn rotator cuff in my left shoulder, my senior year of football that I never got fixed because I wanted to keep playing. Like <laughs> that's just. That's the most Jerry thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I had a little bit of a bull mentality growing (laughs) up, which was just like bull my way through everything. So um, over the course, though, of of getting healthy in the gym, I made so many mistakes. I, I mean, I starved myself getting to that place. I was, I remember by the end, when I was at the leanest that I was, I was training at least six days a week heavy. I was doing almost two hours of cardio every day. And I was eating like 15, 13 oh my to 1500 calories a day. So did not know this. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I it basically like a like stage competitor myself, right? I was just coming from a a, a heavier place. And so for an extended period of time. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. the that's I the bad part for like a year. So I basically killed my metabolism in that time. And so I I now I knew that. Um, or at least I figured it out about probably a year after. Because before that, I didn't know metabolism was fluid. I had no idea. Yeah. Right? I, didn't, I didn't have a coach, and I wasn't a coach. And so I didn't know. It was through the process of changing my own body that I originally learned so many of these concepts. And so I f- have failed with myself many times. I've put myself in the hospital many times 
because I was overtraining. I mean, I was just going balls to the wall. I was training on, I was basically training like a bodybuilder, running all the gear, right? Except for I was natural <laughs> and barely eating any calories. Yeah. So, yeah, I was getting extreme results, but I was doing extreme things. Well, and to touch base on that, the body adapts, right? Oh, so, yeah. what ha- I think this is something that people don't understand is when you undereat and overtrain for an extended period of time, which I didn't understand this either. The body is resilient, so it adapts. So it slows everything down yes. to basically survive. So it's slowing down the metabolism. Yes, exactly. It's slowing everything down. So if you even even if you were to go back to normal eating, you're going to be stunned for a while. Like it takes a long time to heal that. It really does. I can well, I can, and I can tell you for me how long it took. So I couldn't eat more than sixteen hundred calories a day for almost a year without gaining weight. And I tried and aired that. So I would, I knew enough about calories to, I knew how to play with it and manipulate macros to figure out where my baseline was. Okay. So I was stuck at about like 16 to 1700 calories for like a year. Then it got, you know, just another year of consistently eating that much and then trying to get a little bit more and a little bit more. I would, and I would, at this point I was scared to death of getting fat again. Mm. Right. So at this point there's like new insecurities that have developed. It's like, Oh, I like who I am, but now I'm terrified that it's like, I'm not this person if I let myself get any heavier than this. Like, I, you know. Well, and you probably experienced that. I mean, I do at least experience that with a lot of my clients. That If they came from a place of being overweight, they're so terrified they're going to get back to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I empathize with it. It's like, hey, I know exactly what you're feeling. Because you do all this hard work. You change your body. And you're like, but I know. If I, if I lose the grips, right. If I, if I lose the wheel, like this can happen again. Yeah. And I, and I was keenly aware of that. And and I think I am in every area of my life, whether that be with substances or relationships or my body. It's like, I know that the worst that my life has ever been, it could be that way again. It's just decisions away. I'm keenly aware. Now I just don't live with any pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the changes have been made. So it's like, I'm not actually at risk to reverting back. But well, and you have all the, 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 the processes in place yes. now. Yes. The and consistent like pillars that we talked about. Absolutely. And at this point, I just am a different thing. Right. right? It's, it's just like, different. But trans, you know, getting to this point, has been a lot of work. So, so I was building back my metabolism, building back my metabolism. And I would say for years, that was about my main focus in the gym was like, Hey, Okay, now I've learned about metabolism. I need to reverse diet. I need to get my calories back to, to where I can eat weight or eat food and not gain weight. And, you know, slowly but surely doing less and less cardio, stuff like that. But then I blew my bicep off um, the, at, the, at the distal head. It was the distal tendon. And that's whenever I went back to powerlifting. So I had been in powerlifting whenever I was in high school with the football team. And then with my buddy Nick, we did powerlifting outside of the football team. Like competitive powerlifting, but then I didn't really touch, you know, the big three in a heavy way until this point because my my thought process was at this point one of my best friends had gotten really into it, and I knew that if the what was going to be the best thing for my bicep was that I was going to be in a big surplus and that I was going to be training in movement patterns right that were going to bring the greatest result. So what I did was like. I, I immediately, I, I trained through the whole process, right? I never stopped training. I trained the other side. And so my healing went really fast, faster mm-hmm. than most people's because yeah. I never stopped training the other arm. Movement is medicine. It, it really is. And I was putting in a lot of calories. So, um, it, so it wasn't until, so people that know me in the last like few years don't realize this, but it's, it wasn't until that 2020 mark where I let myself put weight back on. And when I tell you that was one of the hardest things you can talk to my wife my closest friends whenever I started put where, where I could see like belly fat again my love handles places where I hate carrying weight oh I was a absolute wreck because I believed in what I was doing but I was watching myself get fatter again like I hadn't seen since I was young right and it scared me so much but then allowing myself to go through that was like the greatest thing that's because the freedom that I've experienced on the other side of it now that I'm mm. leaning and out again and I'm strong and you know I my, at this point guys my body and anyone that knows me knows I'm not the best at anything I do right I'm not the the best power lifter I'm not a bodybuilder I'm not the best at jujitsu I'm not the best Spartan racer 
Um, I think I'm a pretty damn good dad, but that's a whole different thing. So it's like, I'm not the best at any of those things that I do, but my body is so capable. Mm-hmm. If I decide that I want to run a half marathon or a marathon in a few months, all I got to do is start running, right? And I can program it and my body will be able to do that. I would say I'm decently similar to that. Yeah, I think you're very adaptable. Yeah. yeah I think you are. And so, you know, this... But, but getting to this point took so much work. Mm-hmm. It took to- so many different seasons. It took so many different ways of changing my thinking. Um, like I said, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I struggled with as a young lifter or just as someone in the gym was overtraining. Just every session was balls to the wall. I'm, you know, working out to the point of exhaustion every session. And, and honestly, there's probably sessions then that wouldn't have been overtraining if I was properly refueling. Mm. Right. I think largely it wasn't just the workload. It was the caloric deficit. It's what was not going in because I still train hard now. Now I take a lot of rest days, but I fuel completely differently. So I don't experience the same injuries and things in the past because, I mean, I, I broke my ankle. I tore the cartilage in my L4, L5 discs. I you know, told you about the shoulder injury that I had in football. So I've had a lot of injuries in yeah. my life. But now that I've been properly, you know, that now that I have proper programming, proper rest days, and proper fueling, like I haven't been hurt since. What are some resources? This might be a, a big question, but what are some resources you feel like you used or some things that you did? Like, what did the work look like in order to get to where you're at now? And I know that's like a super open ended question, but I think yeah. it's really important because a lot of the times I get, well, where do I even start? Like, yeah. how do I start healing? How do I start becoming more emotionally intelligent? Like, what does the work look like? Does it look like reading? Does it look like journaling? What did it look like for you? No, that's a, that's a great question. And I think, you know, we can go all the way back to the point where I was addicted and it's going to be the same things that got me to the point where I am now, which is community and purpose. Mm. So I'll talk a little bit about some of the practical things that got me to the place that I am now. But the biggest thing is going to be community and purpose. And so consistently, so, so when I moved up here in 2016, the first thing I did, the second day that I lived in town, I joined a gym, hmm. right? I, I immediately got myself around the people that I knew I was trying to be like, okay? So that was, that was first, was that I showed up, okay? So I put myself in an environment to grow and learn. The next thing I did um, was look for resources outside of myself, the internet, right? YouTube, podcast. I think Mind Pump is fantastic. I think from a fitness standpoint, they talk a lot of things, training, um, books. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) did you read a lot in order to heal? Here's something else that came into my life. So it's like, I didn't talk about Lisa at all, but I can talk about Lisa. (laughs) So whenever, um, man, it's just so much to put into one episode because so much has happened in my life. Okay. This is what I'll say. I found key people that knew things that I didn't know. Same way I met you. Yep. And I went and asked them those questions. If I needed to pay them, I paid them. If I didn't need to pay them, I didn't. Right? I found people. And, and at the heart of it, Ash, is that I wanted it. And? I wanted to change. I wanted to get healthy. I was tired of who I was. So I sought after resources. And I found the support along the way. Right? I did. The right people surrounded me along the way. Um, but the, the first thing I would tell somebody is, is literally, if you're not in a gym, go find a gym. Sign up. Get in a gym. It may not be the best gym in the world. It can be Planet Fitness. I do not care. Go get around other people that are training. Another thing that I did, and this, this is my journey, okay? So people that I work with know that I, I am a man of faith, okay? This whole time, I didn't really talk about God. I said that I went to Bible college. But I didn't really talk about God. Ultimately... Ultimately, submission to God and taking the path of humility is what changed my life. Mm-hmm. Deciding that I'm not God over my life. I'm not. I'm a person. I'm a human being. And I'm not that special. And submitting everything that I am and everything that I do to the Lord was the best decision that I've ever made. Yeah. Right? And who I chose as a wife would be the second best decision that I ever made. But the first one would be that. And making that decision at 19... I think consistently put me in the right rooms, consistently put me in front of the right people, the right resources that I needed to change my life. 
But I'm a, I'm, I would be a liar if I didn't say it didn't have everything to do with God because it did. And so the power of God, but the absolute hunger and willingness to change. Yeah. That is, that is so imperative. And it's like, I think that's why my life's been able to look the way it has is because I want it. Like I, I have the desire to be better. I feel like I have been given tools and that is my job to make the most out of these tools. Mm-hmm. That is how I feel. And so, and so honestly that just, just taking the path, I'm a very, you know, I'm a very fluid guy. I'm not a very formal guy. And so it's like, I didn't have a formal plan to grow. I, no. didn't, I didn't, I didn't work with a fat loss coach to lose the weight. I didn't have a formal plan. I just know I needed to move more and eat less. And that's really where I started with that. Well, and one thing I think you've always been really good at that you have taught me is kind of having, I don't know if accountability is the right word, but you have, you always seem to have the right people in the places they need to be in order to hold you accountable. And that could look like totally a thousand different things. It could be one of your friends holds you accountable in your programming. It could be one friend, you know, checks in on you in your marriage. I mean, it could be so many different things and we don't really think about that because it's important to have those things in place when things happen. Right. And I think something for me specifically, I've never really done that because I've been surrounded always by so much support that I've never been intentional at having certain people for certain things. And that's one thing that I think is huge that they can take from this as well is look at who you have and listen, if your community isn't what it needs to be right now, then you need to go out and create it. You do. Because you're never going to get better. You're never going to challenge yourself. You're going to sit in the same old place. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I think that's something that you've been a huge pivotal thing for me because, I mean, you know, Samuel can hold me accountable in certain areas, but he doesn't need to hold me accountable in every single area of my life. He is not responsible for anything. Um, You know, a romantic partner like your wife is going to hold you accountable in ways that I can't. And there's purpose in that. And so I think that's one thing that I've definitely learned from you that has helped me and that has helped our clients a lot too. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. I don't even know if I saw it quite that way. That's really cool. Um, and and I, I, I don't think that was the case until I moved away from home, mm. right? Until I had the, I think that it, that was born out of necessity. Makes where sense. it was like, you know, your mom and dad, and I don't mean you, you, but all of our, like if you have good parents, right? We're both blessed with great parents. Yeah. They comp a lot. They, they, they can take care of a lot. And so I think moving here, with really no one besides my wife, um, I knew a few you had people, to, but yeah, but really no one. It, it yes, it it gave me um, basically. I mean, my back was against the wall. <laughs> like I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any connections. Um, all I had was a really awesome wife and a desire to be successful and to change my body, heart, and mind and to make it the best. And through that. That's whenever I, and you're right. She's right. I do have a team of people around me. Mm -hmm. I have an emotional intelligence coach. I have a powerlifting coach. I have a jujitsu coach. I have a best friend that we talk about our marriages and our wives. Um, I have friends who have also struggled with substances in the past. And we talk about our relationship with substances. I have friends that all we talk about is the Lord and where we are with the Lord. I have friends that are multi, multi, multi millionaires and are killing it in business. And that's who I talk to about my business, mm. right? I got savages around me that train hella hard every day that I talk to about my training and that I'm accountable to. Um, I have my folks in the nonprofit world that know my heart and that know how I want to give back to people that keep me accountable on that, mm. right? And so I have all these people set up and, you know, and I've talked about it a lot, but like more specifically, you're, if, if, I believe that if you were married, so I don't know who's all listening to this, so probably some of y'all are married, probably some of you aren't. But I believe, it's my belief, that if you are married, that is your first point of accountability. And so with that being said, I have an amazing accountability partner in everything in life. Why? Because Allison wants the best for me. Her livelihood is directly tied to mine, right? Mm-hmm. My physical, mental, spiritual, financial health she is directly affected by that, right? She and now is. your son. And now my son. Yeah. And I'm directly affected by hers. And so our relationship, that being the first primary point of accountability, has it, that's that's the ace up my sleeve. 
right? It, Love that. It, it is. And it's like in so many... But in so many areas, whether that be from who I am as a man, my integrity, my morality, she motivates that. Mm. Who I am as a businessman, how the future that I see for myself and her and our children, she's a huge role of that. Um, the ways that I like to train I want to be a savage to protect her. Mm. She's a big part of that. I, I want that. to live with her a long time. And I want to watch my kids grow. And I want to watch my grandkids grow. So she's a big part of that. Mm. And so, you know, when I really think about it, to break all this down, is like, I'm really lucky that I found someone at 19 years old that motivated me to be a better person that I knew that I could be. Mm. And and I'm not codependent, right? I'm not saying that Allie did all those things and that I didn't do them. No, I played a role. But she is a huge motivational factor and a huge accountability for me. And then through our relationship, she's shown me, like now I have vision for my life that and she's not my motivational factor, right? Now I just have vision. Now it's switched from how I want to change my life and, and provide for my family to how do I build a community of people that are kicking so much ass that they make every single person lives better that they're around. So what got it to this point and to what it is now is two different things. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for everything that brought me to this point. I'm thankful for every bit of pain, every injury, every bit of trauma, everything that I've ever been through, I'm thankful for. But now I'm running on something different. Mm -hmm. Now I have a vision and a drive and a passion that is so far outside of myself. Like, that's why I don't give a shit what somebody thinks of me. I don't care about how you, you think that I run my business or who I'm friends with or what relationships I do and don't have. I don't care. I'm so confident about what is going on inside my heart and mind and what I'm out here doing every day with my feet and hands that I don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's pretty simple. You found your why. I found my why. And that's, that's, <laughs> I mean. And I have purpose and I have community. And, and I'm fired up. Man. And you can't have goals without a why. We, I mean, I think that's something we touch base on a lot is, you know, on my consultation form, the very last question, what is your why? Because if you don't know what motivates you, how do you get motivated? It doesn't make, it doesn't make any do sense. Like, or right, I'm just going to go through the motions with everything. It's like, okay, what motivates me? Um, I want to be around a long time. I want to be healthy for my kids. I want to be able to walk up the stairs and not be out of breath. Ooh, can I say this? Yeah. Oh, this, oh, this is good. <laughs> this is good. So what motivated me in the beginning is that I completely hated myself. And what motivates me now is that I love myself and I love my life. And that is the biggest difference. My drivers stronger than they ever have been ever but they're not fueled by hate they're not fueled by anything negative and look how more fruitful your life is now the, oh it's it's dramatic it's dramatic completely different that happens from those two standpoints but it if you're out there i do not tell people in the beginning that you're not allowed to hate yourself i do not tell people that they have to be proud of themselves in the beginning i don't because here's the thing Right now, I live a life that I'm very proud of. And I think that's par partly why I have a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy. Whenever I wasn't, whenever I was making decisions that I wasn't proud of, I shouldn't have been proud of who I was. I shouldn't have been proud of the decisions I was making. Maybe I didn't have to hate myself as much as I did, but I shouldn't have been happy with myself. Mm, I yeah. didn't deserve to be. So when you talk about motivation, if you're sitting out there and you're like, hey, I don't like the person that I'm seeing when I look in the mirror. That's okay. That's okay. Just know that you don't have to be that person forever. Mm. You're allowed to change. You, you are. And know that I get a lot of questions a lot. I've had this a lot lately. I've, I've heard people say, oh, man, I just I wish I could be strong like you. Or, oh, man, I wish I could be disciplined it's like you. And it's like, listen, I was not given discipline. No. Motivation turns into discipline. It does. Right? Ooh. Like, Preach. I find what motivates me and then that becomes a habit, which becomes a lifestyle. Yes. You create discipline. It's not given to you. 
the people that go to the gym consistently every single week don't want to go every single time. No. no every no, no, single no. person I've talked to, like, man, I just I don't feel like going today. Well, that's why you got to be around the right people to hold you accountable. That's you right. know. I haven't missed a workout since 2016. I can't say the that's, same. That's seven years, <laughs> but I can safely tell you, every single one of those workouts, I've not wanted to be there. Yeah. I've not felt like having a blast every time. There's been great ones in there. Yeah. But there's definitely a lot where I don't want to be there. And but yeah, no, I love that. Motivation turns into discipline. Discipline turns into lifestyle. And faith lifestyle over fear. Turns into behavior, behavior, and faith over fear. This is good stuff. So, okay, just, can I sum it up? Yeah. Bring it around? Okay. We love it. So, thank you guys for listening to my story a little bit. And it's just, that's just a snapshot of my story. It's like, I think we could all talk about ourselves for a long time. But we just wanted you guys to know, because we know people in our local community are going to hear this. They already know who we are, and they're going to learn more. But hopefully, this is going to reach a lot of people who are not just in our community. So, you need to know who we are, where we come from. So, you know, all in short, I'm a guy, a lifetime athlete who has struggled with his body image, who struggled with his weight, um, that learned the craft of personal training, nutrition coaching, um, first and foremost with my own body and my own journey, and built myself into something that I'm very, very proud of. And then through that work, um, have already in a few short years got to t- touch over 100 lives and, you know, change probably coming up on multiple hundreds um, of people's journeys. And so that's what fills me up. Um, I get filled up on helping people reach point A uh, to point B and then from B to C and C to D and their health and their fitness and, and their lives in general. And that, that's, that's what I do. That's what I'm about. Sam Jones. Man, we, I love it. Oh. Great job covering your story. And we will meet them again next week for episode four. Episode four is this is up. This is episode, wait, three, part two. Yes. Look at us go. Three, part two. <laughs> we love three, it. Part two. Thanks, right. guys. We love you guys.